This week I'm in the company of composer, musical director, pianist, arranger and app creator Roland Brachet. Originally from Melbourne, Roland has worked as an MD for productions such as West Side Story, The Last Five Years, Into the Woods and A Chorus Line. He joined Book Music and Lyrics in London in 2015 and was a finalist for the Styles and Drew Best New Song Prize in 2017. Roland created the UK's premier female vocal rock group called Rock Goddess and is the creator of the Warble app, which was ranked in the top 50 of educational apps. Roland Brachet, welcome to the Singing Teachers Talk podcast. How are you? Hello, Alexa. I am doing very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you share with us a bit of your backstory? How were you introduced to music and how did that lead you into roles such as MDing and creating Rock Goddess? Um, Okay, so basically I didn't grow up in a musical family. In Australia, you play sport. You don't really do music, you you play sport. Um, So I played sport from a very young age. I played tennis um, and the goals were, well, for me, I definitely wanted to be a professional tennis player as I was growing up. Um, and I played a lot and my sister played a lot and that didn't really work out. My family had a keyboard in the house and I would just play the keyboard with some books um, that my, that my mum had. Um, but my mum doesn't play the keyboard and my dad doesn't play an instrument either. So I actually don't know why we had a keyboard in the house, <laughs> but we did. And my older sister, she actually played a bit as well. I think mainly for, from school and all that kind of stuff we played through there. So that was basically, there was no real, I mean, it's very different in Australia. There isn't a real Where I was from, you didn't think about being a musician. You didn't think about, oh, I'm going to become a professional musician. That wasn't, I wouldn't have even known what a musical director was. I did um, some like Amadram stuff as a kid, like youth theater stuff, um, because my parents put us in in so much stuff, sports and, and other stuff as well. And then I guess basically as I got into high school, I played saxophone. And I did music classes and my music teacher was always very like, oh, you know, you should do something with with music. And I didn't really, I mean, again, at that at that stage, you're just like, mm, I don't like what, like what is there? You know, you don't, you don't really know at that point. Um, I played for like my high school productions and all that kind of stuff, but it wasn't actually until when I had, um, I got my first job playing for a ballet school. The director of that ballet school was directing a show that I did, an amateur show. And I literally, they had a piano in the hall, obviously, where we were rehearsing. And I probably would have played on that piano for about five minutes. And it was about, it wasn't during that time, but it was probably a couple of months after that I get a call from someone saying, hey, do you want to play? We heard you playing piano in in, in that hall, the, the director. Do you want to play for this ballet school? And I was like, oh, okay, sure. And so basically what happened is I went and played for this ballet school that was near me. Um, it was like a, a one-day like gig, um, the first job I ever got paid for. And I worked with a drummer on that on that show as that that one gig as well. And from there, that drummer knew quite a lot of people. And then it was only a few weeks later that I got another job with someone else um, and sort of got into, you know, playing for musicals and doing musical theatre. And then obviously as a rehearsal pianist, you then you learn from a musical director and you see what the musical director does. And then you kind of just gradually work your way again. Even at that point, I wasn't 
thinking, oh, I'm going to be a musical director. Or I'm going to, you know, do that. Because again, at, the, at, at that stage in Australia, it wasn't really, you know, a big, a big thing, but I kind of got more into it. And then I made the decision eventually after playing for quite some time with lots of different shows, cabarets, all this other stuff, once I started getting myself around in, in the business that I wanted to, to leave um, and, and, and come live in London because I ultimately wanted to write musicals because I always like composing music and writing music. And so, yeah, that's basically kind of how I ended up here. And then basically since I've been here, I've been rehearsal pianist, audition pianist, uh, MD, uh, you know, arranger, lots of different stuff. Um, and then, of course, now I've, I've just recently created Rock Goddess um, and I work on other shows that I want to kind of create as well. So that's that's kind of it, really, I think. That's, that's sort of my backstory in a nutshell. And you're the creator of the app Warble. Firstly, what is that and who is it for? Okay, so Warble is um, an app for anyone that loves to sing, anyone that struggles to find songs to sing, anyone in the performing arts industry that needs rep. Um, basically, I created the app because I was working in a, a college and worked in quite a few drama colleges um, in London. I have been for like the last eight years, but I was working in one for a quite a full on sort of more like a full time basis and the most common question that I would get is what songs should I sing I don't know what songs suit my voice you know especially from you know the school that I was at was more of like a dance college so you had people you had some really great singers in there but you know there was you know mainly focused on dance so you're getting a lot of people who hadn't really explored their voice before and what it can do what its capabilities are its limitations and all that kind of thing and it just kind of you know, I thought to myself, I was like, why isn't there like an app where you can just go put your vocal range in and a whole bunch of songs just appear within your vocal range? Um, and that's kind of where the idea came from. Um, and that's sort of how it got it got started. So basically then what I started doing was just getting a library together, um, which I have in just an Excel spreadsheet of just all these songs, putting in their vocal ranges, um, and just getting some sort of catalog together, even just for my own self as a singing teacher so that I had something to refer to. And then the whole process of building an app, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get to in a, in a bit, um, you know, sort of come, came from, from that. And that's how it sort of, but the app is really for anyone, especially musical. Like when I initially created it, it was, it was for performing arts students because that's where I was when all when I got all these questions sort of given to me and, and I know the difficulties that performing arts students go to um, go through you know with finding time to fit everything in they're having to do rehearsals for stuff they're having to write dissertations they're having to you know go in and do all these different things they just don't have the time to spend hours on YouTube or Spotify trying to find some you know 1950s legit song by some American composer you know that 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 is a character up that you know all, all these different things that rep teachers will give their students so i guess that's where i i i the, the idea for the app really really uh, came from and sort of at that point that's where i really geared it towards but however even now speaking to a lot of my professional industry friends i work in a lot of creative companies that work with amateurs that just people who have regular jobs and they just want to create a outlet and even they find a use for it they so it's actually quite an uh, a useful tool for anyone actually some one of my friends uses it for karaoke <laughs> she's she finds some songs in the app because it puts it favorites them and then when she goes to karaoke she doesn't need to look through the book or anything she'll go in 
use the songs that she's got in her favorite stuff. So I think stuff like that is 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 really interesting. I think people always will find a suitable use for it. And there are over 6,000 songs to choose from currently. And you've mentioned that you were putting it together, you were cataloging everything. How long has it taken you to do that? Uh, well, I'm still doing it. So I started this, the library in uh, 2000 and probably, I mean, I actually don't know. I could probably check, but 2017, I reckon is probably a good guess. 2016 so yeah and at the time I wasn't really like it didn't have any goals in mind I was just like I'm just gonna go through I'd like a few songs every now and again oh this you know and then obviously once I really set my mind to creating the app that's when I started to go a little bit you know faster and, and, and putting all the songs in so yeah and I even add more songs in now so obviously there's always been new music being released whether it's pop music musical theater um you know all types of music rock music anything they're all still being released now. So there's still always material for me to keep putting into, into the catalog. And then I also keep finding new stuff, like even older stuff, because I know that's sort of difficult to, to find. So stuff from like, you know, even the late 1800s, I think my late, my earliest, one of the earliest songs is from the late 1800s, going through the 1910s and, and all that kind of stuff. So I've even started to find more older songs as well. Other than the app, what would you advise singing teachers to do when they're finding repertoire for their students or just trying to broaden their repertoire understanding as well. Yeah, well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, I mean, every voice is different, you know, so that and that was one of the problems that I always had is somebody would ask me what songs should I sing? And okay, I've been around a long time, so I know a lot of songs, you know, they're all in my head somewhere, but one person is now asking me and I'm having to think of through as many of those songs I possibly can, try and filter through the ones that might work for this person and then hopefully come up with something. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, I always found that quite a difficult, difficult thing to do. I mean, for uh, for me, I guess, look, it's suitable for rap. I guess it, you know, you know your student as a, as a singing teacher, I guess, is, is, is sort of the best thing. If your student excels at certain elements of, of, of technical singing um, or if they're character singers or if they're more acting, you know, uh, more very good storytellers um you will have an idea of certain songs that will fit in line with that and actually having built the app the now that i go through it and i spent a bit of time on it last week actually um i go through, having f put in all of these songs i found so many which i thought why have i never heard this in a room before it's a brilliant song like especially for perhaps beginner singers or ones that like, you know, especially now when everything's belting a D and a D sharp and an E and an F all the time. And you've just got people who are struggling to, you know, maintain a sol solid, you know, thick fold resonance for, you know, up to an A or a B flat. So it's like, there are songs out there that can help with that. And I found lots of those when I was building the library. I mean, there's so many songs out there, far more than we get to even here. Um, it's just the research. And I think that's part of the hard, the hard thing is, is even still as I, I'm building this, this app is finding all of these songs and trying to find those little gems in some random 1945 musical somewhere, you know, and go, oh, well, that's actually a great song that nobody's ever heard of before. Mm. I like to just pop on an, a soundtrack whilst I'm cleaning the house and just make a note as we go. So it, I don't feel like I have to take a huge chunk of time out of, the week or the month to sit and like really listen to loads of stuff i can i can get it done and in other activities yeah absolutely and i, I think that's you know really useful as much as i love listening to musicals i um 
I find that I don't keep myself not busy enough to have to have that playing. And I don't like to listen to music a lot outside. Like if I'm not playing music, like as I'm doing my work today, I'm not going to be sitting listening to music、mm. um, unless I'm putting songs into the app. But I think that's actually a really good idea as well. To、mm. be fair, to listen to different sounds. I know quite a, some people that that'll that'll do stuff like that. What was one of the songs that you were like, why don't we ever hear that? Oh my gosh, I I, I probably couldn't pick you one. I mean, I've literally just put in some songs from Kimberly Akimbo. These songs are brilliant, and never heard any of them. But there are some really good ones back.、Uh, I know in like the nineteen fifties and sixties. You know, when you're trying to find some legit songs that people, and you always get sort of the similar ones, I guess, kind of being being brought in. But there were, I know, in that era, that I was like, oh, this is a really, actually, a really good song that people could use. Can you talk us through a, a user experience? So imagine that we've got a musical theatre performer wanting to collect some song ideas for auditions. What would they do on the app? You can either put your voice type in, so whether just mezzo soprano, alto, soprano, baritone, or tenor. You can go in and you can just use that, and then the app gives you、um, songs that correspond to that voice type, and then you can filter. Through that, so we have a whole. We have six different categories that you can filter through:、um, decade, artist, composer, musical style, genre, and then you can. If so, if it's specifically an audition that's giving you a certain type of song, say a nineteen fifties、uh, ballad or something, you can then go and find that through the app quite easily by using the filters. You could then also use our、uh, voice range. Your personal voice range. So let's just say your voice range、um, is from G three to E five. You could then put those notes in, and all the songs that exist in the app between, including G three and E five, and in between that will come up. And then you can use the same filtering process to go through and find that song for that that would that you that you require. It's a fairly quick process. It takes about two seconds or three seconds to load the songs. And you know, obviously, depending on voice range, you could have three thousand songs delivered to you. So, so yeah, that that's pretty much how it works. It's literally the the main thing for me was getting the time down that it takes for people to find songs.、Mm-hmm. Obviously, then going through it and listening to the songs and thing that's different, but at least you have them there.、Mm-hmm. How much does the app cost, and where can we get it from? So we have a free. The app to download is free, so you can download it off、um, the App Store or on Google Play. But at Google Play at the moment, it's only certain versions. So just be aware that if it's not showing up for you, that means there's something with your version. We're we're trying to work through all that at the moment.、Um, but the app, it is on the App Store, so you can download. Then that is free to download. We also have a premium version. Of the app, and that is you have it on a subscription method on a subscription、um, basis. So, so yeah, our monthly is two ninety nine, our six months is fourteen ninety nine, and the yearly is nineteen ninety nine. And with that, you get、um, you're able to use the voice range feature. You get more songs, and you can listen to everything. So, we're going to add some more features to kind of make it all worthwhile. But I chose that way because I still update the app like pretty much every week with different songs.、Um, so it's not just like once you've Found your certain song. That's it, and there's never going to be anything else. Like I'll keep updating the app, every, pretty much every week, every two weeks to to um to get more songs in there.、Mm. And is it just for phones, or can we use it on our laptops as well? I actually think you can use it on your iPad. Okay, I believe. I don't know. I've never actually tried to use it on the computer, but I believe with apps you can. Use them on on um on your computer and your iPad and iPhone, I believe. 
What are your future plans for Warble then? As you keep adding more songs, do you have any other ideas for it? Yeah, I do a lot. Um, I actually had a meeting with my developer the other week to talk through um, a whole bunch of different plans. There's lots of things I want to do. It all comes down to the priorities, basically, just the priorities of everything. So obviously getting it accessible to every Google user, that's one of the main priorities is getting that done. But then that takes a lot of work. There's other things that I want to do, like trying to make Warble a bit more of a one-stop shop. So you can obviously go to Warble and you can find these songs, but then, you know, maybe you need a track for it so we can get you a track for those things, all these types of things that we can add in there as well. So there are some different ideas that I have kind of want to build into the app um, and some feedback that I got from a lot of people that I tested the app with on what they would like that I do want to incorporate in there. So there is a lot to kind of put in. Um, I just have to be, we just have to be fairly smart about how we go about it because I, me not being a technical, you know, uh, I'm not a developer. I don't do any of that side in my head. I think, oh, this sounds easy to do, but then I go and talk to my developers like, that'll take me six months. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) You know, so it's just kind of prioritizing, prioritizing sort of the things I want and gradually kind of building because he works a full-time job and I've got other things. So it's just us, the two of us just trying to work through as, as much as we can. Mm. So what has been the process of actually building an app? Um, well, it's very difficult and very much worth it as all things that are difficult are basically the process. Well, firstly, once I started building this catalog it was for me to find someone to develop it. Um, and when I eventually found that person and that took a while to, it was then basically just sort of explaining what the app does, how I wanted it to work. And the app in itself being, it's uh, acting like a bit of a catalog and, and a library of songs is fairly easy um, to set up. But obviously there's still the design of the app. What's the app going to look like? What's the color scheme? All of these sort of little things. What are the font? I mean, we spent a whole day just deciding on what fonts we want, <laughs> we're going to have for the app, you know, going through literally different fonts, different fonts, different color schemes. What colors are we going to have? What, you know, symbols and logos and where are we going to attach this? And how are the songs going to appear in the list? Like all of this sort of things that, you know, you don't, in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, well that seems like we can just do it like this but then when you go to apply that it's no that's going to be an issue because of a b and c this is going to be an issue then we have to find solutions around that so then after that and once you've sort of got yourself like a test version so when i had the test version i'd go through it and 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 have a bit of a play with it then after that you have to submit it to the apple store for review and and the google store and um google play so then the apple store can either accept your app or they can reject it um, or they can give you sort of a reason as to why they're not accepting or what needs to work. So the first few times you were actually rejected. And it was interesting because I was like, I'm not really, I can't, can't actually remember what the reasons were, but basically my developer was saying that a lot of the, the times when you're getting rejected, it's mainly who's it's, I think because it's a bunch of independent, like freelance people that do the um, kind of like application thing and they look through the apps. So basically we had to submit it a couple of times before it did get accepted. Um, so sometimes I think it's, I think it was more a bit of like a, trial and error who are you going to get that's going to accept it we did fix a few things to go through because they do sort of say just fix fixes or tweak this and then you put it back in um and then they eventually accept but even then once it's been accepted the first time if you have to keep updating the app which you do 
you then have to resubmit and you have to go through the whole, pro- whole process again. And they can then again still say, okay, no, we don't want the app on the app store or yes, this is fine. So yeah, it, it, it is quite, so even once you've got it on there and you've, you know, started a customer base and you've, and you've, you know, you've got reviews and you've got all this kind of stuff happening, it's still not guaranteed that you'll be able to keep it up there as you keep going, which is a very, it's, you know, something that I'm, you know, learning about as I'm doing this. So yeah, the process is long, it's difficult, but as I said, it is, it is worth it. Roland, you've worked as an MD for many productions in your career. What does the job actually entail? That is a really good question because I had the same conversation with a friend of mine a few weeks ago. You can ask every MD and they might come up with a different answer. You know, some people might just say, oh, it's just to teach the music and conduct the band. You know, others might be, you know, and I think within that, that's a simplistic way of putting it. But, you know, in sort of teaching the music, are you then, you know, interpreting and the score the way you want to interpret, but then you also work for the director. So the director is, you know, the one that's in charge of everything. So are you just interpreting their vision and, and of of the score and what they would like and is that sort of this so i think it's it's a a really open question in my experience sort of where i'm at for me i'm a very much like you know take the lead from the director you know what they would like and try and get their vision um and what they hear for the score um out onto the out onto the stage um and then obviously by, uh, you know, teaching all the singers, the music, the harmonies, um, conducting the band, um, playing the shows, all those kinds of things that, that you would see a, a, a musical director do. But I think it's, I think there's a lot of discussion to have around what a musical director actually does and what their role is. And I've learned this, not necessarily the hard way, but you are, you are the director is ultimately the person that is in charge. Um, and that you kind of get across their vision for the score. I think that's probably what I could, uh, just to keep myself in, in work. So any directors out there, <laughs> I will listen to you, I promise. <laughs> and in your experience, like how much free reign is a performer likely to have over that vocal score? Yeah, it's again, it's it's it, everything's kind of different, isn't it? Every show you go into will always be a little bit different. You know, if the director says they can do whatever they like, then you know you probably sit there and go, okay, well, let's talk through how, well, how we can make this work for you and and what what we can do with that. I think you want to give an artist free reign, you know, so that they feel comfortable in their method of storytelling and 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 their uh, vocal ability and their ability to interpret this score. But then, you know, also you, you need to make sure there's consistency throughout the score and and that, you know, there is structure. I guess it also depends on the genre that you're looking at and the type of musical. You know, I think if you're doing a, a Sondheim musical, you'd be looking at a certain type of music direction as opposed to if you were perhaps doing six. You know, there would be two different types. You know, you wouldn't sort of say to your person playing the witch in Into the Woods, yeah, you can riff the whole way through Last Midnight. That's totally fine. I mean, it, it just wouldn't, you know, that that's just sort of not the style of those particular shows. But perhaps in somewhere like Six, which has more pop vibes, more rock vibes, maybe they would allow for, for, for more of that, um, you know, for more of that free reign, I think. I'm very much interested in just the storytelling and, and the realism behind it i'd be like i'd ask someone if they wanted to do something in a sky i'd be like okay well 
how does that best how does that best you know better the narrative or how does that help and assist in the storytelling if that's a vocal choice you'd like to make if you're gonna you know belt this top note for whatever like how is that you know what what's the the impetus behind that and 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 I'd ask those kinds of questions You joined Book Music and Lyrics as a composer and BML is a programme of workshops which nurture new musical theatre and new musical theatre writers. I've also been part of the programme but as a librettist and one of the core values there is collaboration between librettist, composer and lyricist. At what stage in the process for you as the composer does the physical voice instrument and its mechanical ability come into consideration? Because you'll, you'll probably hear singers silently screaming, please don't make me belt an E anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, you know, having learned more about the voice um, and, and the anatomy and, and how it functions, that definitely is now more of something that I would think about. Back then, probably not a, uh, a thought. And I would say for most, well, I'd probably say for all composers, not a thought as well, because that's the tricky thing because composers aren't singing teachers. Oftentimes they're not even singers. Most of the times they're not even singers. You know, they would have no idea. They would say, I guess, you know, it's, it's tricky because you would say, oh, well, you know, I know that there are people out there that can sing, say, Define Gravity really well. So if they can sing that, then they can easily sing this. And it's like, yeah, but you're not, but you're now asking someone to sing that eight times a week you know, and all those kinds of things. So I would say that um, now for me, it's definitely more something that I would think about um, and and how, and not even so much about, I guess, whether from a technical point of view, whether I would be causing harm to a singer by, by writing the way I would write, but more on how can I use textures of the voice to assist my writing and, and what I'm trying to achieve in the storytelling as a composer, um, not just via the instrumental music, but by the, the, um, the actual vocal melody as well. Um, and I would say that I think it is really important for composers to have some idea of how the voice works, especially, um, you know, if it's, an op- if it's the opposite gender to you as well. So that then you can, you know, obviously at the moment, there are, most composers are still male, and they're still writing for female voices. And, you know, if you don't have an understanding, then perhaps it can, you know, be a bit, not even, not saying maybe it'd be tricky, but, it, you know, I think it would be beneficial to, to have that, to have that knowledge. And why wouldn't you want to know? I think as well, I mean, you're, that's what you're writing for, isn't it? You're writing for professional singers. You're a singing teacher yourself. You've explored the vocal anatomy and the technical sides of things. What's the biggest thing that you have learned working with singers as an MD that you would like to share with other MDs as an important thing to consider? Okay, so I think one of the first things to to think about as an MD when you're working, I mean, as an MD, you will work with lots of different singers throughout your career. You can't expect everyone to do the same thing, Um, whether that's belt really high, whether that's um, have a strong legit sound, like whatever, you can't expect every voice to, to be the same. And you can't expect that just because person A can do one thing that person B and C and D can do the same thing. And patience as well, because a lot about singing is mental and psychological. Um, and I actually have you know worked with people who have done really big jobs in their, in their careers. And then I've seen them or caught them at a moment when I've been working with them, perhaps on a smaller job, where their voice becomes um, more fragile 
not because of their physical ability, but because of where they are mentally and psychologically. Um, and so understanding that a lot about the voice um, isn't, it, I think the expectation, especially on comment on, on, I'm sorry, on modern scores being quite com um, demanding on singers that there needs to be, I think an element of patience and not unrealistic expectations. You know, if, if it's great, if you can get that person who's able to come in and, and sing the score, eyes closed, back to front eight times a week, belt everything they need to and do all that kind of stuff amazingly. Um, but that's not always the case with people. And certainly I think I'm sure you've probably, you know, spoken with with other singing teachers about longevity and 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 vocal health throughout your careers. You know, I think in those sorts of things, you know, singers obviously still need to pay attention to, even if they are doing a job that is very demanding for those, that eight days a week or or eight shows a week, um, that in the long run, once that job is finished, where is their voice going to be then? you know, and how they're going to move on. So I'd always say that there's a bit of pain, especially having worked a lot with younger training singers as well, is that you can't, and then you also can't discount people that just because they can't do something doesn't mean they're not as skilled or as worthy or as, um, you know, or, or have abilities in other areas as opposed to those other singers who, some of them who are just naturally really great singers. Thank you so much, Roland, for keeping me company and for telling me all about your app and sharing your experiences in it as an MD and composer. Where can people find out more about you? And also just remind us where we can get hold of the app, Warble. Okay, so you can get hold of the app Warble on the App Store and Google Play. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook. with uh, uh, Warble underscore app. That's where you can find um, my app. And if you are interested in following me, you can follow me at Rolly B, R-O-W-L-Y-B. Amazing. Roland Brache, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Alexa. Have a good day. If you're enjoying the Singing Teachers Talk podcast, and who are we kidding? Of course you are. Share the love by giving us a ahem, five star rating and leaving a comment. Just head to the Singing Teachers Talk main page on the Apple Podcast app and scroll to the bottom to click write a review.